Welcome to the Creativity and Soul podcast. My name is Jade and I'm an art therapist, healer, and creative coach. My job is to help women heal and expand into a life that is creative, authentic, and fully embodied. In this space, we explore the powerful intersections between art and psychology, creativity and mental health, and between our humanness and the soul. You ready? Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast this week. Today we are talking about inner child healing. Now this is a term, a like a tool, I suppose a practice that everyone is talking about these days and for a right reason because it is really, really crucial in doing any kind of self-development And I would say that everyone needs to do some kind of inner child work if you are on the path of quote-unquote healing. If you are on your healing journey, it is important that you connect with your inner child because we were all once children, whether you're a teenager now, an adult now, you were once a child. And as children, regardless of whether you experienced major trauma as a child if you've witnessed major trauma or if you you know grew up in a steady stable household you feel like you probably you know you feel like you probably have never actually experienced trauma let me tell you that all kids all children will have experienced some wounding whether that be from your environment at home from school from teachers, from, you know, your friends, from peers. And, you know, inner child wounding, you know, I mean, the word child is in it. So you might think of, you know, an inner child being you when you were five and you when you were seven or nine. But I would say that inner child work, inner child wounding can span across, pretty much spans across from when the moment you were born right, the first month you were born to up to like 21. (laughs) Okay, so it's pretty much your, any, any feeling, any, any incident of trauma, anything that made you feel abandoned, hurt, traumatized, unsafe between the ages of zero and I'm going to say 21, but honestly, that's, it's a bit arbitrary because what I'm really kind of getting at here is, is, the, the range of adolescence development, any trauma that you experienced in the span of time will be something that you carry in your body, whether consciously or subconsciously. Okay, so that's why it's super important. Now, let's get into um, some of the nitty gritty that I feel like we all need to need to learn and need to know about. So, okay, I'm actually going to preface with a story and also, I guess, the reason as to why I decided to do this episode on inner child healing this week. So over, when was this? This was last week, um, the end of last week. I was cleaning up some of my stuff at home. Um, right now, I'm actually living in my, in my parents' house, in my family home in Hong Kong, just because... Uh, 
I mean, right now I'm, I'm in the, in the start of like building this business and I'm trying to keep my costs low. Um, so yeah, I'm living at home and you know, what I'll say is that being a fully grown adult, (laughs) almost 30 and living at home at this point is not something that I foresaw for myself, um, at this age, but it's been an interesting healing experience, um, being with my family whilst doing the self-development work, whilst really getting into my healing and being on this journey for myself, both as a client and a practitioner, a therapist. It's brought up, it's brought up a lot of, um, old wounds, but at the same time, it's given me a lot of opportunities to heal those wounds, both in my own time and just, you know, being in the dynamic, you know, healing that dynamic in it practically, if that makes sense, has been has been a whole journey. But anyway, going back to the story, <laughs> I digress. Um, I yeah, I was cleaning up my room and I found um, some of my old stuff from when I was, I would say like three to eight, maybe five to eight, basically like elementary school, and um, I was a really really imaginative, intuitive kid. I honestly, I think spent, I would say probably 80% of my free time as a child drawing and fantasizing and playing with imaginary creatures and friends and yeah, (laughs) and things. So um, I really didn't watch much TV. It's really funny whenever people ask me nowadays, like, oh, like, you know, what kind of TV shows did you watch as a kid? I literally don't have an answer really, except for, yeah, I don't really have an answer. I watched the Teletubbies when I was like a baby. And then I watched a little bit of like Popeye, I think. And then um, when I was like a teenager, I liked Lizzie McGuire, things like that. But I really wasn't like a TV girl or TV child because I was, I just spent a lot of my time drawing and just creating and um, yeah, being in my, in my head. So um, what I found when I was cleaning out my room was a whole archive. And honestly, I've, I've, I've done this before. I've, I've been kind of like in a continuous process of cleaning out my, my space and um, I've gone through some of these files before, but found a new box and I don't know, this time cleaning through it, looking through it and sorting, it really, really hit me. It hit me because these drawings, a lot of them were actually letters and pictures that I drew for my parents at the time little letters, little love notes, a lot of, yeah, letters saying, you know, dear mom, I hope you love me as much as I love you. Dear papa, I like you very much. I hope you'll be my best friend forever. A lot of, yeah, a lot of little like bits like that with, you know, drawings of cats and dogs and flowers and I used to draw a lot of pictures of my family. Um, I have this older sister who's 10 years older. Um, and she, you know, she didn't, uh, she wasn't exactly around as I was growing up because she is 10 years older. So she went to college when I was eight and then 
was abroad for a long time. So anyway, my point here is that, um, my point here is that I grew up in a family that was very stable, um, in the sense that there was always, you know, food on the table. We were very financially secure. We lived in a nice house and I went to a quote unquote, like good school and, you know, the same school, like K through 12, my whole life. So stable very much in that way. But my my parents had a really tumultuous relationship. Um, they're still, you know, legally together at this point. Um, this, you know, I live with them at the moment, right, in this family house, and they still live together. But um, it has not been without extreme conflict in the house. Um, I grew up with I grew up hearing a lot of arguments. I grew up witnessing um, long periods of separation between my parents. And yeah, just a lot of stuff there, a lot of conflict there. And I think, well, we're going to get personal here. (laughs) And I think growing up, um, you know, in in that space of conflict... Uh, they were, what I'll say about my parents is that they were, they, they tried their best to protect me from it. But at the same time, um, it, they were transparent and they never tried to fully shield it from me. So I was completely aware of, oh yeah, of the conflict and the, you know, any hostility and, and, and whatnot that was going on. And what I'll say is that children are extremely intuitive so, um, I mean, this goes into a whole other thing, but I think one thing to note here is that we are all born really intuitive and children, especially because they are, you know, before, before we become adults, teenagers, and we learn to suppress our intuition and our, our like inner knowing for to you know you know in in this kind of um in this pursuit of like logic and science and and full understanding and and having to have proof and evidence of of everything that we do and everything that we want and everything that we are um we're all actually born really intuitive and that's why you know yeah I I won't even get too much into that but you know with that knowing um I I always I could always sense what was going on with my parents, with my family, and I absorbed a lot of that stuff um, without, you know, without realizing it at the time. And um, I don't know, where do I go with this? I'll say that um, as I was reading through these little drawings in these archives, I just broke down um, I had a moment where I realized a huge moment where I realized that all I ever really wanted when I was a kid was to be seen and loved and witnessed for who I was by my parents. Um, and it's quite interesting because my I would say that my parents were, you know, pretty good parents. My mom, like I'm still very close to, she's very sensitive and I'm very much like her. So, um, you know, we, we've always had a close relationship. She was a stay-at-home mom for um, like the first half of 
my childhood. Um, but my dad is someone who is a, a little bit like emotionally repressed. He is not, you know, to this day, it's still something that um, he struggles with. And, you know, I, I, we, we speak quite openly about this with him. Um, but he is not super attuned with his emotions. And so um, as a kid, he was always off working. He was very much um, always on business trips. And I, I think I, you know, in hindsight, I didn't realize it then, but in hindsight now I know that I spent a lot of my childhood seeking validation from him and seeking approval and love from him. And this is something, to be honest, that has carried on into this day. <laughs> and again, to be honest, it hasn't, it didn't ever really fully resurface. Those wounds didn't fully resurface until, um, until maybe I would say like the past year or two. So, um, I don't know. My, my point here to start with is that, you know, know that with inner child work, so much happens in a child's experience from when they're zero to when they're 21, right? And we'll get into this a bit later, but um, we end up, as children, as teenagers, and then as adults, we end up suppressing a lot of those emotions, a lot of that trauma, whether that be micro trauma or macro trauma, we suppress a lot of it in the name of in the name of feeling safe, in the name of pursuing and continuously seeking that love and validation from our caregivers. Um, so yeah, know that with inner child healing, it is a continuous process. Like I have been at this self-development work for years and you know, last week when I was going through these files, I literally had a breakdown <laughs> because I just had a moment where I was like, Jesus, like, <laughs> I don't know. It just hit me how much, how much of my past actually still shapes the way I, I, am, I am healing and I am trying to do the work on myself today. Um, so yeah, just wanted to start with, I guess, a personal story, um, that was way longer than I expected to go on for, but yeah, know that it is a continuous journey. Know that at every level, at every, at different points in your life, new, I mean, you could call it triggers, new situations, new events in your life may trigger old things to resurface, old wounds. And it is never, I don't believe that it is possible to ever be fully healed <laughs> at every layer of healing there is always more to be healed it's just true because our experience is so much more nuanced than we allow ourselves to um really recognize until you really come into your body and do the work i hope that makes sense okay so yeah that's to preface all right so with that said, let's just let's just talk a little bit more about what inner child healing is and what the inner child is. So the inner child is the part of us that, 
you know, feels abandoned, hurt, traumatized. Um, and that the inner child is, is, is essentially, it's, it's the child version of you that lives inside of your consciousness. And most of the time, the wounds that will keep you in that, that will keep a part of you in that state of consciousness of being a child will be the part of you that experienced some kind of wounding, some kind of, like I said, abandonment, some kind of injury, some hurt, trauma, um, and safety, right? And the thing to understand about about children is that all we want, all we wanted as children was love, acceptance, and validation from our parents and caregivers. Seeking love, safety, acceptance, belonging is the is a biological drive in human nature. And when we are children, when we are at our purest, right, before we learn how to suppress our emotions, before we learn how to limit our way of thinking, before we learn all these like systematic structures that make us rigid, we are at our rawest, most vulnerable state, right? We are also completely, I suppose, like moldable is the best way to to, to think about it. We are at the mercy of of the environment around us because we haven't learned those those things those mechanisms to quote-unquote like defend ourselves and protect ourselves from the big bad world yet so children are reliant they're dependent on their caregivers they're dependent on the home that they live in and Therefore, they're subject subject to the actions, the beliefs, and the choices of the people around them, whether that be your parents, your siblings, your caregivers, your teachers, your mentors, your social worker, whoever that might be who, who shaped the way you lived, that's going to shape you. Right, And that's going to shape your experiences. And children have no way of protecting themselves. Right? Perhaps when you turn 16 or 18, um, you might have the right to be able to leave, leave your home if you so desired. Right? But children, young children, have no way of protecting themselves, no way of, of, of knowing how to stand up for themselves if they haven't been taught to do that yet. And if you're not given the appropriate, not even appropriate, but yeah, if you're not given the love, the sense of belonging, the validation, the care and the affection that is literally like a human right, not even human right, it's, it's babies, it's been, okay, it's been scientifically proven, research has shown that Babies, literally, they need skin-on-skin contact. They need love and infection from any caregiver around them in order to survive, in order to physically survive and live. A child, a baby, that does not have 
or experience any kind of skin-on-skin contact has a higher chance of developing disease, disorder, and can possibly, you know, their heart can possibly just stop, stop beating. So with that said, so with that said, when a baby becomes an infant or a child and they experience traumatic events in their lives, again, they have no way of physically protecting themselves because children are so small, right? And they know that. We know that as children and you're vulnerable and, and all you know is the environment that has been shaped around you. So when you experience trauma, what is the easiest and best way to survive and protect yourself? Again, because survival is a human instinct. How do you protect yourself? The easiest and the best way that a child knows how is to go into the primal response of fight, flight, freeze. Right. And over time, if this, if, you know, if the child is not educated, which most children are not in this day and age, to to understand their trauma and to release their trauma, if they don't have the resources to um, go to therapy, to have counseling, to work with a mental health practitioner, the kid will carry the trauma in their body. They will learn that dissociation, that shutting down, that suppressing your emotions is the best way to deal with life, to deal with situations, to deal with hard situations. And that becomes an ingrained, like, like a ingrained physiological mechanism in their body. And also becomes the belief that they hold in the way they live life. Um, and of course, that's just, it's not just dissociation, right? You have children who are wounded and carry out that wounding in acting out, let's say, right? In seeking love, validation from other sources, other crutches, whether that be alcohol, whether that be drugs, whether that be, um, you know, toxic relationships, whether that be toxic friendships. So, so many ways that children, teenagers will be, be forced to release that tension or forced to protect themselves because they are not educated as as educated to the healthy way of doing that. I feel like that's not grammatically correct, but I hope you get my point there. <laughs> and another thing to note is that with with children, um, with especially young children, because like I said, we let's go back to that innate desire for love and acceptance, right? That human desire that of belonging and validation. If we don't get that from our caregivers, we will look for that in other places. And also, we will learn to keep making excuses for our parents, our caregivers, and other people in that it's almost like an addictive cycle of seeking love and acceptance, belonging, but not getting it, or getting little trickles of it, hanging on to little crumbs of it, and recycling that cycle right in search in search in search for the love that 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 should be your birthright right that is that you humanly desire and so that explains a lot of why many of us get trapped in 
emotional addictive cycles, dissociation, freeze responses, disconnection from our bodies. Why so many, honestly, so many like teenage, for me, this was 100% true. So many teenagers act out in rebellious ways, right? Why personally, I, the moment I went into college, because I was so, I wouldn't say that I was so emotionally repressed, but I definitely played into the stereotype of of having to be a good girl. And I never felt like I could express myself in my culture, in my household. Um, I was almost like, I was always taught like to never talk back to my parents, to never, yeah, to never express my opinion, never really... Um, to never, I was never really allowed to have an opposing, uh, an opposing argument, I suppose, to anything my parents ever said. So as a result, when I went to college, I found, I found, I, I was like seeking release and I sought that release, quote unquote, in things like partying and alcohol, binge drinking, right? And trying to find, trying to soothe myself in all these different ways that ended up actually re-traumatizing myself. And that's what we want to prevent here, right? That's what we want to, to heal. And if you're a parent here listening to this, it's super important that you educate your child as much as you can not necessarily on trauma because trauma is a big word, but 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 let them know that beyond the obvious of like giving love, giving attention, giving care to your kid as much as you can. Um, it's so important to to give your kids space to to learn who they are authentically and give them space to process their emotion. Um, yeah. Okay. So. What I want to go into next is that trauma, um, you know, I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast, but I'll say it again. Trauma can be obvious, but trauma can also be not obvious. So your inner child wounds, um, maybe, you know, the moment I say that you have very clear pictures of what those things are, what those scenarios were that really hurt you or made you feel abandoned and unsafe as a child. But... Trauma can also happen in the little things that you can't remember. And this is really common to not remember, um, actually, childhood trauma because even micro trauma, because uh, like I said, it's the simplest and most primal way for a child to learn to defend themselves when they are small and vulnerable is to dissociate, is to disconnect, is to literally repress the memory. And also remember that traumatic memory is not stored in the same way as a normal memory is, as a neutral memory is. It is literally fragmented, right? The emotions, the overwhelming emotions cause your, cause that experience to literally fragment between your mind, your cells, your body. And it is just stored in a way where that memory is no longer coherent. Okay, so I'm going to give you some examples here. Trauma right? Micro trauma can literally even look like, like I said, a baby that didn't get enough skin on skin contact as a child. 
Just hopping on here to let you know that Creative Healing One-on-One, my six-month mentorship, is now available and open for enrollment and application. So this is my six-month mentorship where you will be accessing the truest parts of yourself. It is a trauma healing program where we are going to be covering somatic, energetic, and mental work across many, many modalities. And I'm going to be working with you live and we're going to be healing your trauma, releasing any mental and energetic blocks that you have in you, reconnecting yourself with your mind, body, and soul so that you can embody the self that you were born as. If you have been feeling disconnected, weighed down, if you have been feeling stuck in your life, if you have feel like you have tried all the therapies, you have tried everything and nothing is sticking, right? You are still triggered by the same things. You're activated by the same emotional cycles. It is because you are not doing the soul level work. It is because you're not doing the deep trauma release. And in this program, that is going to be the work that we do together on the deepest level possible. And I am so, so excited to be sharing with you all these modalities that I have used to heal my own trauma and that I work with my clients with, and I'm going to be putting it all into one beautiful package, one beautiful immersive for you, if you so desire. So to apply for creative healing one-on-one, you just need to visit my website and apply via a application form that will only take about five minutes. And from then on, we just hop on a 15 minute discovery call. You can ask any questions that you might have about the program, about the work and yeah. And that's where the magic will happen. I am so excited to read your application and I am so excited to have you in this beautiful program. Please know that spots are very limited. Um, I'm only going to be taking a handful of people, handful of clients to make sure that I am giving the highest standard of care to all of my clients. So I'm so excited to see you in there. Um, Maybe in school or at home being reprimanded for not getting the grade that your parents expected you to get. Feeling inferior to a sibling. Maybe your sibling was rewarded for something and you you didn't get that same reward. Feeling small in that way. Feeling unvalidated in that way, right? Being told to suppress our emotions and not cry is a big one. <laughs> um, this is especially common for um, boys. It's a cultural thing, societal thing, and it is so, it is actually traumatizing for a child to be invalidated in their emotions and in the expression of what they need to express. It is super important that that kids are allowed to cry, allowed to scream, allowed to yell. And it is about giving them a safe space to to do that. When they feel safe in expressing themselves, they they will learn as adults that they can hold their own expression and that they can hold their own emotions without reaching out to, reaching out to quote unquote unhealthy, addictive dependencies and sources and crutches. Like I said, for me, one kind of like chronic experience that I had growing up was literally not being able to express my opinions ever. And that has been a huge part of why I have so many issues 
around public speaking, why I could never speak up in school, why I would literally go into a panic mode whenever I had to raise my hand and answer a question or when I got called out by a teacher in class. Um, It was traumatizing. It was traumatizing. And those things continue to re-traumatize me. (laughs) Um, Like think about trauma as a cup of water. A cup of water that... Every day, as a kid, as an adult, little things get poured into this cup of water. And obviously, the volume of water increases, increases, increases. And at some point, it will start to overflow. And when it overflows, that is when you start to really experience chronic, severe symptoms of trauma. (laughs) You start to experience, whether that be like, you know, different mental disorders, physical symptoms of it. It's it starts to overflow and you really feel it and you shut down. So, you know, let's, the whole point of trauma healing and the whole point of doing inner child work, all of this stuff is to allow yourself to release some of that, some of that vault, like some of that water inside your cup, allow it to release so that when you, when stuff is poured in inevitably through life, You learn how to hold yourself better. You learn how strong your container is, how strong your cup is. And maybe you even learn to grow your cup and expand your cup. And that's, you know, what expanding your nervous system means and what what healing and expansion means um, as you go into the deeper work. Right, so with inner child healing, inner child work... um, it's best to look at it, I would say, the best way to look at it is to see you as your adult self, how you are now in this moment, but within you, in your consciousness, there are many, many, many parts of you that are tied to the memories and consciousness of different stages in your life. Right? So there's an inner child in you that is five years old three years old, seven years old, nine years old, 13, 15, 17. And there will be specific moments, like I will say, like specific trauma that will tie you to those ages and those stages in particular. And when you do the healing work, it is about going back to those stages and those parts of yourself those parts of your consciousness and giving it acceptance and love giving it giving that part of you the validation belonging care affection and love that that you were seeking right that was the innate desire that was the driving force in in all that you wanted that's what the healing work is and I think so much of the hurt that we carry around self-love and self-worth, self-acceptance, um, the way, you know, the pains and the difficult the difficulties we experience with attachment, the way we show up for other people in our romantic relationships, especially, but also in our friendships with our family, um, with ourselves, those feelings of fear, these are all things that I see 
so commonly sorry my dad my dog is just like walking around in the background <laughs> don't mind her these are such common things that I see in my clients coming in and they are all rooted in different different parts of your inner child and so much of this is really really rooted in your inner child in the relationship that you had with your parents in the protective and defensive mechanisms that you felt that you had to develop to protect yourself in situations when you were a ch- when you were a child rooted in the way even our caregivers relationships between themselves like whether that be your mom and dad or your aunt and uncle whoever that might be those dynamics that you see that you experience that you witness will also play out in the way that you show up in your adult life now right because if you were modeled certain relationships and certain ways of loving and being and belonging that were perhaps unhealthy or perhaps codependent or whatever you want to call it you will learn that those those relationships and those types of relationships are familiar are safe and you will carry that belief of safety into your adult life and you'll see that very commonly the people that you seek out for support whether that be again your romantic relationships your friends your in your workplace your boss your peers you will tend to seek out and find familiarity and love from from types of relationships that model what you grew up with so how do you heal the inner child right i think in the self development journey with this work there it is very inevitable that there are a lot of realizations that you make around the trauma that you may have incurred in your childhood that's just kind of like the natural progression of doing any kind of therapy work any kind of counseling any kind of self development right we learned that our conditioning and our beliefs and a lot of the systems that we're going about in autopilot in our day-to-day life that is causing us pain, stress, worry, anxiety, um grief, all of the stuff, anger, frustration, shame, guilt. <laughs> all of this stuff is rooted in our past. A lot of it is rooted in the trauma that we experienced as a child, but of course also um it could be trauma that you experienced last year as an adult. But especially in terms of inner child healing um how you do this work right is to really recognize yourself my favorite way of doing inner child work with myself and also with my clients if you know it's available for them and if it feels safe is to inner dialogue whether that be in meditation or really just in a quiet space or journaling and just writing stream of stream of consciousness or mirror dialoguing is amazing for this really looking at yourself and recognizing what your inner child needed and what your inner child what your what your, what your child self had to do to protect themselves at the time that they were hurt abandoned and wounded 
And then from that, giving yourself forgiveness and understanding an unconditional love, knowing that you are fully capable of giving yourself the love that you always sought and that you still seek to yourself within. Fully capable. And so it's really about creating a dialogue between you, your adult self, and your inner child and allowing that inner dialogue to reflect what you let's say even like wished your caregiver were able was able to give you at the time and what you perhaps as an adult would say like if you were a caregiver of your child self what would you say to them how would you make them feel better how would you nurture them how would you care for them and love them create an inner dialogue with that in mind I mean, my dog is just squealing and squealing and squealing. The next thing is forgiveness for your parents. And this, of course, is probably the hardest part of, of doing this work. I think that with um, self-development, and of course, you know, this will differ and depend person to person, situation to situation. Like this doesn't simply apply to parents who were abusive and who maltreated you and who used violence in the house um there is a really really deep power and level of transformation that can happen when you learn to really just forgive the situation that caused you pain whether that be forgiveness for your parents or your caregivers and whoever maltreated you whoever caused you pain or whether that be just knowing that that all of those experiences have brought you to where you are. And even if you do not feel like you are happy with where you are in this moment exactly, knowing that all those experiences have made you have made you kind, have made you powerful, have made you resilient, have made you strong. And knowing that you have in this time and day the full power to be able to heal this and to be able to give all of that strength and resilience that you have developed as a result of your trauma, as a result of these wounds, you can fully give that strength back to how you heal yourself, right? Knowing your power and and giving... I guess a giving forgiveness is the ultimate form of, I guess you could say like closure and self-acceptance and universal acceptance that you can give. And when you realize that, and when you really just know and trust that you have that power, the forgiveness piece comes easier. Um, And again, I want to reiterate that of course, it's it's forgiveness of, of the past and all of those and the situations that have hurt you, but it's also forgiveness. A big part of this, what I see with my clients is a lot of us will hold shame and guilt and anger and frustration around 
around our incapacity or around our vulnerability, um, around our helplessness as children or the helplessness of our inner child. And the work is really to, the ultimate form of work is really to forgive that part of yourself. Forgive yourself with the knowing that you did everything that you could, everything that you possibly could to protect yourself and to keep yourself safe in that time. And also that the people around you, even though they might have hurt you in some way, however it might be, they were probably also doing the very, very best they could in the circumstances that they were dealing with. And so give yourself compassion and forgiveness in in the knowing that you, you had the power in doing everything that you could. You gave it your all and you continue to give it your all. And that's your resiliency, that's your bravery, that's courage, and that's powerful. And, you know, as we grow up, it becomes our responsibility and our own honor to reparent ourselves, right? Your soul, you, you were born whole and you were born into this life, into this body with a certain purpose and a certain mission with certain lessons to learn and you know, I know that this statement I'm about to say, it might be triggering for some, um, but I believe it to be true and I know it to be true, is that you learn the lessons that you have learned for a reason and they are to make you stronger and more powerful and more resilient and more directed and more in your essence and for you to come back to yourself. That's what, you know, I believe that that's what the soul work is. That's what the soul lessons, you know, that we all experience individually, uniquely in our own lives. It's all to lead us back to ourselves. And, you know, reparenting yourself is one of the most crucial things that um, we really can do in the I want to say like the early stages of doing the self-development work, but I also think, like I said in the beginning, it is something that we constantly come back to. You know, it's, I want you to be able to see reparenting and doing this inner child work as something extremely empowering because ultimately it is a form of you giving back power and giving back love and care and validation and belonging to yourself because you do not need to belong to really really anyone or anything outside of you, you. And when you realize that you can give yourself everything that you have ever sought out, all of that human desire, all of that love, everything you can give back to yourself, that is, that is what, that is what healing is all about. That is what being human is all about and that is what coming into your authenticity and feeling confident and self-accepting is ultimately you know at the core of so i hope that this was a beautiful episode 
for you to listen to. I hope that it brought up some food for thought, that it inspires you to do the inner child healing for yourself in some way, whether that, like I said, be you know doing an inner child meditation or going through some of your old stuff if you feel ready to, like I did, or just journaling a little bit about your inner child, visualizing your inner child dialogue with your with your inner child you can also play right play in how I mean I would say this is like the next step to all of the inner child dialogue that I was talking about but playing and exploring in the energy of your inner child is also something that is super healing and maybe that's something that I'll expand on in more detail in a future episode but yeah I'll leave it for here for today let me know how this lands for you please rate, please follow, and please share. It really helps me get the word out with um, with my podcast and for this to inspire more people, to help more people. And yeah, I'm so appreciative of you being here. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode.